Good day and welcome to the ESPN and Tennis Conference Call. Today's call is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference over to Dave Nagel. Please go ahead. Thank you, Noah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Lots of storylines in tennis with the two big U.S. hardcourt events this month, opposite coasts, Indian Wells and Miami. Plenty of coverage from each for ESPN TV and Watch ESPN. Including a match later today, you might have uh, noticed on the calendar, two veterans with a little bit of history between them. You'll be able to see Federer Nadal 36 wherever you are tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on Watch ESPN and the ESPN app. Here to talk about all the players and issues in the sport, we have ESPN's Chrissy Everett and Brad Gilbert. Both are on site in Indian Wells. Our TV coverage starts tomorrow. As always, we will go around the room. I bet we get to everybody with me calling out who is up and who is on deck. Batting leadoff from the Washington Post, Kellen Soong. And on the on-deck circle, Frank Pinguay from Reuters. Hello, Kellen. Thanks, and uh, uh, thanks for doing this, Christine and Brad. Thank You're you. welcome. Um, yeah, so I'll have two questions, one on the men's side and one on the women's side. Um, for the men's, uh, what do you make of Novak Djokovic's year so far? You know, I think just maybe two seasons ago, we were saying he had one of the best, uh, you know, seasons, one of the best seasons of all time. And right now he's kind of playing inconsistently. Um, do you think it's more of a mental thing? What does he need to do to kind of get back to where he was before, even though he's not playing poorly, but up to his standards, he's kind of been inconsistent. And uh, what did you see in Madison Key's return from surgery and, uh, I guess what is her what is her, her potential? Okay, you want me to take the men first? Okay, um, Brad, you go. Look, I mean, yeah. the greatest thing about tennis in any sport is when you're winning these matches. You know, that's a way of winning more, and that gets you three zero out of the gate. And Djokovic dominated for so long. You know, so many players just dreaded playing him, and then all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Since Wimbledon last year, you know, he hasn't played to the same level that we've seen from him, and that changes the attitude of the players going out playing against him. So the only way to get that back, you know, is go out there and dominate again. And there's, you know, it's not that his game has come down that dramatically, but it's come down a little bit. He's had some tougher draws. He's had some injuries. So there's there's definitely some reasons. Um he played well last night, and he's got a rough ass today against Kyrgios, but he's 29, going to be 30 in May. He's still got time, but like I said, the only way to get back to where he was is by winning these matches, and then Dude. winning becomes contagious, and then that puts that more element in the thought of the opponents that, like, damn, he's not beatable. So has his domination peaked, do you think? Um, well, for the moment, it, it certainly has, but I'm not going to say that, that at, at 29, about to be 30, that he couldn't all of a sudden get it back. Um, right. Because 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you say once a player starts turning 30, the, you know, very difficult that maybe you're going to see another great chapter, but that doesn't exist anymore. So many players are playing great into their 30s. So, you know, it's entirely possible that he could get it back and have another run again. I mean, he's got all the physical capabilities. He's got the tools. Uh, it's just a matter of being able to get it done. But I certainly don't think that, uh, that, that that couldn't happen again. 
Thanks, Brad. You know, I'm going to just add on to that. I think if anybody in the past, any champion in the past you consider like machine-like, um, it's been Novak. And he, I think to be number one, you have to be 100% focused physically, mentally, and emotionally. And sometimes life gets in the way and there are distractions. And I think I agree with Brad. It has nothing to do with the physical game. The the game is there. And I think that this is a guy who, um, you know, just I think the mental and emotional aspects have, there have been some distractions. I don't know what they are, but I think that probably has affected him more so than the physical um, but the game is there, and there were, there have been signs, you know, this week that that he still wants it, he's still going for it. Um, but you know, the competition's only going to get better, and at some point, he's got to, to really jump up to that extra level of um, of focus again. The focus that he had, you know, really the last five years, it, it just it hasn't been there for whatever reason. So once he gets that worked out and that could be just life intervening for a moment, once he gets that worked out, I think he's going to go back to um, being, you know, the Novak that we've seen the past few years. As far as um, Mass and Keys is concerned, um, you know, I, I think there were, de- again, there were definite signs, especially in her match uh, against Naomi Osaka that she played, pretty flawless tennis and last night against Caroline Wozniacki I think you saw the rustiness a little bit more um Mm -hmm. but you know I think that being back with Lindsay is a good thing I think you know Lindsay and Madison have uh, Lindsay had a similar style and a similar game to Madison and I think where Lindsay can help her is is just to be more patient and more consistent with her power and I think she definitely can help her in these areas but you know, right now it's just great to see her back being healthy after a wrist operation. And, and uh, you know, I still think she's definitely uh, going to win a Grand Slam, whether it's this year or next year. I think it's it's in the cards for her. And we all know the potential is there, but it's really up to her when when the time is right for her. Gotcha. Thanks, Chrissy. I mean, I'll just, I'll just add one thing on Madison, like what Chrissy said. I think the talent is there. I think her just – Big thing to, you know, for the next 12 to 18 months is just to be healthy. She just has been dinged up a lot, and then obviously this was a major one, but that seems to be kind of, you know, her sticking point a lot of times in majors is, is getting hurt. So I think once she can get that worked out, you know, I think that, you know, she's incredibly underranked because I think her talent level, she should be top five. Right. Makes sense. Thank you, guys. All right, we move on now. Frank at Reuters and then Peter Bodo from ESPN.com. Hi, thank you. Yeah, um, question I guess for both Brad and Chrissy. I was hoping you could each weigh in on uh, the ongoing debate about um, dopers getting you know, an automatic entry into tournaments. And, of course, I'm referring to, to Maria getting um, the wild card uh, in her return at, in Germany in April. I wonder if you could both weigh in on that. Um, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I've been reading a lot about that too. I mean, Maria has served her term and she, this decision of playing is, 
is really within the rules um, as far as the wild card entry. Um, I remember many, many weeks I started out on a Wednesday, you know, playing a match. So it's, it's not like first rounds aren't on Wednesday. Um, you can't blame the tournament really for wanting to be successful and wanting to enhance their tournament by having a big draw like Maria Sharapova. Um, I, I just think it's, I don't know, I, I think we're making a big deal about it. But the fact of the matter is she's doing everything within the rules. So, and she has fulfilled her obligation in 15 months. So I, I'm one to say I'm not critical of that decision that the tournament made whatsoever. I mean, okay. wild, cards, wild cards are for the tournament directors to give who, whoever they want. Um, <laughs> it's not really, you know, because I get asked this all the time on Twitter and everybody's opinion. It's not really what my opinion is. And I, I, it's, I like to see the, some of the players positively and negatively are saying about Maria. And I think that's for them to voice their opinion about what they think, you know, is fair. But it's completely within the rules and fair of the tournament to do who, reward whoever they want to give. It will be interesting to see what the slams do because they do a little more business with the ITF. And so will will they, you know, you know, especially the federations, will they give her a wild card? Wimbledon is a club, so that's different. But the French Federation, the, U- the USDA, the Aussie, will the federation give her a wild card? So, but I, I like to see the players voice their opinion. Um, and and like I said, I think it's completely up to the tournament to do, you know, the director what's best for his turn. Thank you. Okay, next up, Peter Bodo right here at ESPN, and then Michelle Kaufman at the Miami Herald. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, I would like each of you to comment maybe on, you know, why why we are having so much trouble getting a um, WTA player who can really consistently come up and challenge and, and establish herself as legitimate threat near the top now that Serena's not playing, of course, for the foreseeable future and Kerber, you know, is, is out again at Indian Wells. You know, what do you see and what theories do you have about why it's been so hard to get um, players who can play consistently establish themselves as solid number two or three or even a one? Gosh, that's a good question, Peter. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of the problem has been Serena Williams. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly think, you know, as I, as I look the past, especially the past, you know, five years, I think, I think Serena has played at such a high level and no one's been able to match her power and match her, her athleticism. Um, and I, I just think she's at such a high level that it, the other players are two levels below. You know, we see slowly there's been a catching up. I mean, Matt Keys is, is really the only one that I can see. Muguruza maybe, but she's inconsistent. But, you know, that that even has any sort of power comparable to Serena. I mean, Naomi Osaka coming up has that power, but she's very young and inconsistent. But, I mean, it, it's it's all about, you know, so far it has been all about the power game. And even though Kerber, like I said, Kerber had a couple of really good matches against Serena, or one for sure, Wimbledon was good too. But um, you're right. I mean, she hasn't been able to maintain that that top form of playing relaxed and playing loose and 
you know, it's, so it's the physical power, but I also think the fact that you said it consistently, it, you, you're right. You don't see a player mentally so tough and so hungry match in and match out that really, I mean, the last player I saw that was, was Victoria Azarenka. Mm-hmm. And she's been out of the game. I mean, Maria for Maria was is and was and is one of the mentally toughest, but she's been out of the game. So uh, I just think it's the the superb superiority of of Serena more than anything. Uh, well, Peter, I mean, it's a tricky thing. You, you know, obviously the women's have had long history of, of somebody dominating the game, but that doesn't mean it always has to happen. And when, when the Williams sisters at some point, heck, maybe they go to their early forties, but at some point, you know, at, at this moment, I can't tell you a player who's ready to step forward and, and is going to win five or 10 slams. That's not to say that it can't happen, but it, it, it's hard, it's becoming much more difficult, especially on the men's and even more so on the women's, that you're seeing young players be able to do the things that they've been able to do in the past. So, and I think the game has gotten more physically uh, demanding, and I also think that, especially on the women's side, the game has gotten deeper. And and the word that you heard uh, Chrissy say a lot is consistency. And that's what you need to dominate is consistency and you can't have two or three good weeks, two or three bad weeks. Um, Kerber had an amazing year last year out of nowhere. Um, and, and and now the expectation is, can she do that again? And then maybe she's feeling that a little bit. But I certainly don't see anybody capable, you know, at the moment of being that next dominant player. But like I said, that, that doesn't mean that it can't happen or it won't happen. It just not like it's just a given that, that that's going to happen. We could easily have some period where, you know, you have six or eight slams, six or eight different winners, you know, after Williams, you know, go. That's just the way I, I think we're headed now um, with the depth. And, you know, I'm just not ready to say somebody's ready to dominate. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I also, oh, I, ahead, I, I, I also see, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about, I also see, um, that the game is so different. I mean, the, the only, you know, I, I feel that, you know, when you look at um, Simona Halep or you look at Rod Wanska or, you you know, even if you look at Kerber to a certain extent, you know, those players don't have the power to blow people off off the court. So, I think it's going to be tougher. Cause I think it's going to be tough for Kerber even to keep the number one ranking with how power is taking over the sport. But power with power it comes high risk. So, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's high risk. Serena plays high risk. You know, she's had so much experience, and she's been able to really now come to an age where she could be thoughtful on the court and she can really know how to handle, know how to harness that power well. But these other players that have the, the big power games, like, you know, you know, I mentioned again, um, Mass and Keys or any of these players with the big power, Pliskova, you know, they still are up and down because it is high risk and they haven't had the experience, um, you know, that Serena's had. And it, you can't keep that up week in and week out. 
So, I mean, I've, I and I've said the last few years, I'm disappointed. What is disappointing is somebody hasn't stepped up to the plate, and we saw, but we saw Azarenka step up last year. You know, she really did. She won this tournament. She won in Miami. You know, she really started to have um, show signs that she may be able to compete with Serena, and then and then you know she, fortunately for her you know, has a baby, got pregnant, has a baby. So it's all good, but, you know, she got out of the game. So I think it's tougher and tougher, like Brad says, just tougher and tougher. It's not as simple. It's not as, I mean, there's so many more distractions with money and endorsements and lifestyle, and it's it's maybe taken away a little bit of the hunger from these players also. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Hey, Pete, I think there's a statistic. I don't know it off the top of my head. Maybe Kevin Fisher could help. I think it was something like 10 straight majors had a first-time female semifinalist in the last two, three years, which sort of speaks to what you're talking about. Thank you. All right, we move on now. Michelle Kaufman at the Miami Herald and then Nina Pantic from Tennis.com. Hello, Michelle. Hey, thanks for doing this. I have two questions um, on the men's side and on the women's side. Um, The last time we had one of these calls, I think, before the Australian Open, we were talking about how uh, don't count out Roger and Rafa, but we don't really expect them to be lifting a trophy anytime soon. I went back and and looked at the transfer. Patrick specifically said, uh, Roger, he doesn't see him winning any more majors, but can you talk well, about that? You know um, what? You know what, Michelle? That's why uh, that's why Patrick's not on the call today. That's right. That's right. We don't need his comments anymore. We got Brad now. Um, so no, I just want to know, you know, how what Roger did down there and Rafa making the final. Um, what does that say about those two, and what does it add to the storyline of men's tennis? To you know that those two guys made it that far, and on the women's side. Following up on what we were just talking about, with Serena out and Azarenka out, Maria not back yet, what do you see from the women's side uh, coming into the Miami Open? Who do you see in the conditions here, knowing about the swirling winds and everything that Miami has? What, Who might be some of the contenders on the women's side here? Well, I'll just say about, you know, obviously the Australian Open. I mean, with Djokovic going out early and then Murray going out in the top half of the draw, Roger just did what he had to do. He got better every match. He struggled the first couple of matches, and then, amazingly, he pulled the rabbit out of his hat. And I think, you know, I was sitting courtside from 3-1 down in the fifth set. I think that was the best of five games of his entire career. And I think it was the most important win of his career. Um, And it just—it was just so great for – men's game to have that final. I know that I was already talking about it in the third and fourth round, and ESPN, they were getting all mad at me. Don't talk about it. It's like talking about a perfect game potentially having this. And I said, I'm that guy that, like, if I was, you know, on the same team as the as the guy pitching the perfect game, I'd be sitting next to him, and I'd be saying, isn't this fun mowing everybody's mouth? I wouldn't be, like, getting away from the guys. But I just think it was great breath of fresh air. And with Fed, I mean, he's a young 35. Look at Tom Brady, 39. I mean, so I mean, I, I think the one thing that we're seeing is that athletes are figuring out what they can do uh, in their training and technology and diet, and and they're pushing the envelope. And 
I never see if you thought Derek Jeter had a fan base. Like, I mean, this guy's fan base and Rafa's. I mean, these guys are like the biggest global tennis icons I think I've ever seen, and they conduct themselves with the utmost class. And it's just, it's just great to see for our sport. And I think that obviously the storylines now are massively changed for 2017 um, because obviously you know Murray and Joker haven't played like they've done and. And the Fed fans and Rafa fans are starting to get excited that their guys, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll push the envelope back to the top spot. You know, I think I, my doubt with with uh, Roger has always been only in Grand Slams, three out of five sets, putting together three or four big matches in a row, which is what you need to do to win a Grand Slam. And I think, like Brad said, there was a little bit of an opening there without Murray. He didn't have to beat Murray. He didn't have to beat Djokovic. And it, the draw favored him. It opened up a little bit. But, I mean, if you if you put your money on Roger Federer for one or two key matches, he still, he still can win those key matches. But it's just the accumulation of three out of five set matches leading up to a final. That was, that's always been my concern at, at his, you know, with Roger Federer. But, you know, again, the, the everything worked out for him very well. And, and, uh, Nadal's playing looks so good. I mean, Nadal's looking so good now. You know, he's got to be favored for for the French Open. I mean, the way that Andy and Djokovic so far have played, unless you know, Djokovic certainly um, as defending champion is has a great shot and is, is going to be a favorite. But you'd have to say, you know, Nadal's got a has a really good shot to to win ten now at French Open. So he's still there. You you can't count Roger out knowing how well he's playing for Wimbledon. It's, it's, it's just amazing how things can turn on a dime. I mean, you know, I just think Andy Murray played so much the last two years, and maybe that's starting to, wear, you know, have a little wear and tear on his body. Maybe he's, he's feeling feeling it, you know, on his shoulders, being ranked number one very much like, like Kerber. You know, I think it's affected her this tournament. She showed none of the fearlessness and aggressiveness she did um, when she won the Australian or won the U.S. Open. So that, number one, you're back, you know, always is a question mark. And so, I mean, I think, anyway, that's my answer for that. And, and the women, what was your question about the women? The question Sorry. is, who, yeah, who do you see emerging for the Miami oh. Open with uh, Serena right. out uh, and the I, players? You know, it's, it, I mean, we're we're Wednesday of this tournament, so it's hard to predict how. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Wozniacki and um, Lodenovich are the two left in this tournament that have had the easiest road, and they've looked so good. I mean, they've looked pretty relaxed, and, and they're playing some some aggressive, consistent tennis. Um, I don't know how you can, you know, they start out the year well with good results, so I think that confidence is building with both these players. Um mm-hmm. Muguruza is getting stronger and stronger. She she really looked shaky against Kayla Day, who, by the way, looked fantastic this tournament, the 17-year-old. And, I mean, that was really the first match, big match I've seen her play, and I was very impressed with her power and, and you know, her game. But Muguruza's looking better and better. Um, you know, I think Masson's only going to get better, Uh but I, I think probably Wozniacki and Mladenovic 
I mean, if I'm to predict like this tournament, I'm, I'm curious to see how well they do because they, they are on form here. Mm-hmm. I'll just say this. I mean, well, first of all, Venus, you know, has got as much tape on as I've ever seen her and, and still winning <laughs> matches. But, but Serena not being here and Kerber all of a sudden not playing at what the level she played at last year, one word jumps out, opportunity. You know, there's yeah. opportunity. Every player all of a sudden thinks about, you know what, I can make a deep run. And that one word that we've we've heard a lot is a lot of players have one good week and not. So there isn't a consistency. So that leads for opportunity. Well, and how much they want it. I mean, I, how much? I mean, how much do these players? Who wants to step up to the plate? It's just the consistency. Is it? I think they all want it badly. I just think it's a. It, it's a well, consistency then, issue, and 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 now that Serena's not here, a lot of players feel like they can win this. Yeah, but if, but but Brad, if you want it, I mean, I, I remember being in this position. If you really want it, you put yourself. You know, you make it happen. You really have a better chance of making things happen. And if you let nerves and everything affect you, it's going to hold you back. And I think I think this prospect of the opportunity tightens up a lot of players. Um, so it, who is going to be the one or two emerging players that get through this successfully? I think they're going to – it's all about the mental part. You know, how are they going to handle the nerves? Thank you. Okay, next up in line, Nina Pantic from Tennis.com and then Harvey Feilkoff from the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel. Hey, guys, thanks for doing this. Um, I just have a quick question. We mentioned Keys and how her potential is really high, but she's injured a lot. There's a similar situation on the men's side with Milos Raonic. Um, what do you guys think of his chances of being number one and, and winning Grand Slams? And if he's not going to be the first guy to win a Grand Slam, a first new guy, then who who will? Uh, you know what? Uh, unfortunately, it, 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 you know, that word, you know, injury, you know, it's happening more. I mean, Nishikori is another young guy that's had to battle a lot. And so that's obviously his $64,000 question is being able to stay healthy. And so you you can't answer the questions for him, you know, what he can do until he has, a, you, know, you know, a whole season being healthy. And so he's a big guy. He's probably 6'5", 220 pounds. But that definitely is the number one question for him is staying healthy. Um, and so, you know, I can't answer whether or not he'll win uh, or where he's going to go or who's going to be the next young person to do it because, you know, the big four and then, then throw in Stan, you know, have been incredibly stingy. Nobody from born in the 90s, you know, has been able to win a slam. You know, so it's not like, you, you know, you, you know, it, it's happening. So, Everybody wants to know that, but it's just a matter of, you know, when it's going to happen. And then, you know, for – and then we're going to have some of these guys that are much younger than Kyrgios and – I mean, excuse me, like Kyrgios and some other younger guys that maybe, you know, going to have an opportunity maybe before Nishikori and Raditz. But, yeah, you just don't know. But definitely he needs help, and that's his number one thing he's got to be able to figure out. Yeah, I, I think um, I look at Tyrius. He's very capable, and I look at at Zverev. I mean, those two to me would be the next 
um, in line that might not happen until next year or the year after. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I agree. It's, it's all about, it's all about being fit. You have to, you know, these three out of five set matches on a hard court, just, uh, I mean, your body is just being, uh, slammed every time year after year after year. And it, it's it's really becoming more and more um, important to you know sort of stay in shape and heal your body and take those rests and re- rehab what's what's sore and what's injured and I mean that part of the game is is almost is almost like seventy five percent of the game now and actually going out and playing is like twenty five percent because it's all about being injured now and, and being healthy with these long matches. But, I mean, when I look at the way Kyrgios has played this week and, and um, you know, I've always liked Zverev since, well, in the last year I've liked him. So I think those two, I predict one of those two is going to be the next one to win a Grand Slam. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, next up, Harvey in Fort Lauderdale and then Dan Kaplan from Sports Business Journal. Hey, guys. Uh Peter stole my thunder on the women's question about lack of star power and dominance of Serena. And you just stole my question on the men's side of who's next in line. So I'm going to uh, make one up as I go. As far as the golden era of men's tennis, it, I don't know if it's ever been better. The, the, obviously, the top five aren't going anywhere. And then we got Delpo, and we said Nick, and Ronich, and Dimitrov, and Kyrgios, and Zverev. And, and I'm even throwing Jack Sock to surprise me yeah. lately. Guys, talk about the golden era right now, what we're experiencing, men's tennis, the depth and quality. And then give me something, like, Chrissy, add on to what you said about Nick and maybe Jack mm-hmm. for potential future winners. Uh, I mean, I think it's, you know, you know, it's an amazing time for men's tennis, you know, with the reemergence this year of Rafa and Fed. And we got young, you know, faces. And we got older faces. I mean, the quality of tennis and the level – you know, we're even seeing guys, I mean, I think it's off the charts. Um, but, you, you know, I guess, the, you know, everybody's just curious when somebody can break through and, and go all the way. But as a tennis fan right now, I think this is as good as it's ever been. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm one of those people that feel like the sport's like a treadmill. You know, I think maybe five or ten years from now, we'll be saying, God, I can't believe how good these guys are. Sports is getting better. Competition is getting better, and uh, I just think it's a really exciting time in the men's, um, except if you're born in the 90s and you wanted to win slams already. You know, it is, I agree with, with Brad, it, it is, as long as I've been in the game of tennis, it is the most exciting time. Um, it is, you've got icons, the greatest players ever at the top, who will go down in history. Then you've got some very consistent players that have been in the top ten, you know, like Raonic and like Burdick and like Nishikori and Chilich. And and then you have the young guns that are so exciting, like Zverev and Dimitrov and um, Nick Karius. And it's not only a high-level tennis, but it's different generations and it's, it's you know different styles and it's all different personalities and and it just is so exciting right now i i you know i've always 
sort of been a spokesperson for the women's game, but I mean, I've got to say, you know, I'm probably a little more excited about about <laughs> the men right now. I have to admit, I, you know, I'm just I'm looking at these matchups and and um, I, I just I can't believe that there are this many great players that are still around and that mm-hmm. there are these many great players that are just starting out. And then you, you're not even looking at, look at the Americans, Donald Young, look at how, what he's doing wow. this week. Look at Jack Sock, look at Taylor Fritz. I mean, there's, there's, you know, even younger guns waiting, on, you know, on the wings to, to really explode into, into the mix. So, um, I just have a big smile on my face when I talk about the men's game right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Christy. Uh, one quick follow, yeah. Jack Sock, Brad, or anybody, uh, Christy. Uh, I saw him at Del Rey. I, I think he beefed up his weaknesses and fortified his strengths. I, uh, I'm certainly a Jack Sock believer for the first time. In years. Yeah. Uh, can he make a breakthrough, I mean, this week or in the nearby future? I think last night was, you know, maybe mm-hmm. – one of the best wins that I've seen from him. He came back from 4-1 in the third. He's got a great draw, plays Jaziri. Um, so he's got a great opportunity to make the quarters, and he's making progress. He's up to 18 in the world, and I, I think a big goal for him is to maybe finish the year in the top 12. I think he's got one of the biggest mm-hmm. forehands in the world. Um, he moves tremendous. Uh, um, yeah, so he's making progress a lot in the last 12 months, and I, you know, the big thing is, can can he make a deep run in a slam? You know, can he make, right. you know, a quarters or semis this year? And, you know, can he make a semis of a master series? Because that's what you got to do to make, mm-hmm. you know, the top eight in the world and make London. So I do think those are realistic goals. And I think he right now is clearly the best American player. Well, and, and when, I watched, when I watched that match last night, um, I honestly – could not believe how well he moves and yeah. how well he sprints to the ball. And he, I don't know anybody that I can say is quicker that I've seen is quicker than him as far as his movement. And I do think he has the best weapon in that forehand than uh, he has the best forehand in the game. I feel. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, he reminds me of a male um, Mass and Keith in the way he plays. I mean, Mass and the same thing with her forehand. I mean, it's just she rifles it, and so does Jack. And and uh, you know, again, it's it's all about maturity, and it's all about managing himself and his emotions on the court. And and through, with all this experience and with some success, I think it's going to come to him. And and I would say the same thing about Kyrgios. I mean, we see yeah. he's got every shot in the book, also. And as he gets older and more comfortable in his role. And in in his lifestyle, and you know, with fame, I think it's all about the intangibles that he's got to become a little bit more uncomfortable incom- with. And I think that's starting to happen now with him. And wouldn't it be great to see? I mean, that, that he's at another level when he's playing. Yeah, he's the modern day Nastasi, only uh, maybe with more power. Thanks, guys. That was great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I heard uh, that Dan Kaplan has gotten what he needs, so we move on now. It'll be Andrew Eichenholz from RollingStone.com and then Richard Pagliero from Tennis Now. Andrew? <clears throat> Andrew. Through the uh, conference call, folks, a curveball there with the unexpected change. Andrew, you're there? 
Andrew left. All right. Um, maybe he'll dial back in. Richard Pagliaro from Tennis Now, and then Stephanie Livaudis from WTA.com. Hey, thanks for doing the call. It's, it's really great. Um, the first, I had a two-part question. First on Roger and Rafa and their great starts. Do you see anything technically that they're doing differently? I know Federer's serving really well, and Nadal leads the tour in second serve points, one. And then secondly, to follow up on all the stuff you've already said about Kyrgios, do you think in the way that Donald Trump was the chaos candidate, Kyrgios is like the chaos player, that he just th thrives on you know, chaotic craziness around him? Or do you think that uh, you know, getting a coach would be dramatically better for him? He said this week that he's not really thinking about hiring anyone. Christy, which one do you want first? Uh, God, there were two long-winded questions. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. Um, you crazy. know, I'll, I'll take your, I'll, I'll take the curious. Um, you know, he, Nick is a different kind of guy. I mean, he's got a different approach to the game. I mean, at first, remember a couple of years ago, or maybe he's even saying now, he said he didn't like to play tennis. He didn't even like the game. I mean, he's been quoted quoted as saying that. Um, and I think that, again, I, I really deep down think that he does like the game, but he doesn't especially like the attention or what goes on around it. I mean, he, he I think he's basically a shy guy and believe it or not. And um, I spent a little time with him down in Boca where he practices with, it's so funny, he practices with our, with our boys at the, at the Academy. And it's like, I, I'm, I can't believe that he's practicing with 18 year old kids as preparation for these grand slams. But he he loves he loves practicing with the kids and he has fun and you know maybe so far you know that's what he's done um, as far as getting a coach you know what if he's not in the right mindset as it seems he's not in the right mindset to get a coach he's not, he shouldn't get a coach you know I think he's got it's got to be on his terms he's got to be ready he's got to make the commitment he's got to take responsibility for winning and losing. And um, he, he's not probably at that point yet. So I'm like, give the guy time, you know, give him the space, give him time. And I think, um, uh, I think it will happen because I do think he does love the game. Um, what, was the, what was the first question? Oh, you, you take the first I'm one. I'm better than Nadal. Yeah, anything um, differently that you're seeing. Oh, no, you yeah, go for I'll, that. Go ahead, Brad. I'll piggyback on, on Nick a little bit. I watched the full match last night against Vera. And what you'll see tonight against Djokovic, this guy gears up for big matches. <laughs> and he's got, a, he's got a level and intangible that it, it, I, I call it almost uncoachable in that he, he doesn't feel like, you know, when he's playing these unbelievable opponents, I actually think he's more relaxed. I think that he sometimes struggles when he's on the outside course and playing lesser opponents. All of a sudden, you'll see him tonight against Djokovic unbelievably focused and determined. Um, I do think there's nobody, anybody, close to his talent level uh, physically, um, and he is a closer. I mean, you give him an early break, and he's a closer for 25 and under. But the, the maturity and and you know, match in, match out. That's something that, that he's searching for. And I do think at some point when he does want to add a coach, I think it could only help him. But 
he's got to want to do that. Um, but I just sit there and, like last night, watch him, and I just marvel at his athleticism. I can't believe for his size how well he can move, how explosive. Every, I mean, he ticks all the boxes for me game-wise. Um, but, you know, just there, there's sometimes more to, to being, you know, winning slams and being great than just that. And I think uh, about Fed and Rafa, the most amazing thing is both of them are still unbelievably motivated after all the time they've played to continue to play at this level. They both are playing healthy so far in two, 2017. I also think that maybe, maybe they're both, you know, starting to feel a little bit better about their games and where they're at is because the guys from the 90s, haven't broken through. And for the first time, Murray, you know, has had a little bit of a indifferent results the last couple of months, and same with Joker. So maybe that's giving them more faith that all of a sudden, you know what, there's still more of a window for them. You know, I'm going to piggyback, too. Uh, when, you, when you hear Roger Federer say, you know, my dream is to play another five years, um, you know that he wants to play because – it's when they say, well, I'm thinking, you know, maybe another year. That's when they're thinking retirement, and that's when they're thinking they, they don't – they're maybe – they're losing what it takes. But when he says, I'm, I'd like to play another five years, you know he's motivated and he's, he's ready to go. And Nadal, I mean, th- that guy, you can still see it in his eyes. He still wants it. He's still intense. He wants that tenth French Open. And the only other thing I can say about Kyrgios is, you know, just remember, he does have mentors. He does have Leighton Hewitt, who's advising him. You know, he does have his manager. He does have his mom, who, you know, I mean, it's not a full-time coach, but he is getting advice. But at the same time, he is playing to his own tune. And when he gets in a point, he has that natural instinct as far as how to play a point. Like, he's not going to listen to anybody say, go cross-court, 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 and then go down the line. You know, he knows the ebbs and flows of a point, and he has that natural ability. Yeah, good answers. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, next up, Stephanie at the WTA, and then we will close out. Uh, actually, there's going to be one more question. Richard Osborne, right there on site at the BNPParabas.com. Stephanie. Hi, guys. Thanks for doing this. Hi. Um, earlier we touched on Kerber. Can you just go back to that and talk a little yeah. bit about what she has to do mentally just to deal with the pressure of returning to world number one, especially with um, she's heading to Miami now as the number one and top seed. And last year she struggled with the pressure of initially having the ranking. So now that she's going back to the top, what does she have to do mentally to adjust? You know, for me, it's nothing really to do with the physicalities of her game. It's it, it's not that she it, it's not that the game's not there. The same game that she won the Australian Open with and the U.S. Open with, I think it's all in her head, and it is a big adjustment to 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 have that number one sort of bullseye on your back and to continue to play with the fearlessness and you know the fearlessness really that it took for her to get there. And that's what I saw. She went out of the box in, in big matches that she won last year. And by out of the box, what I mean is she took more chances. She played more fearless tennis. She went for more shots. Um, she went for bigger serves. 
she went for bigger second serves. You know, she really, to me, this year has gone back into the type of tennis she played two years ago when she was top five in the world but not number one. She has to get back that aggressive mentality, and she's got to really force it on herself because she's not going to be number one until she plays like she did at the U.S. Open and like she did in Australia. So the tennis is there, but she's got to get back into that frame of mind, and and she's got to work on that. Only she can do it. You can listen to a 1,000 people or the best coaches in the world, but only she has to come to terms with that. I feel like her game is, you know, a lot about grit, determination, focus, competing, and she's playing. Christy brings this up a lot about stress and, 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 and feeling the pressure. All that stuff, you know, doesn't matter is your opponent on the other side of the net. And what's happening is opponents are playing against her freer because obviously she's not dominating. Um, and the one thing that I have noticed a little bit from her this year is she's been flat starting matches. Like last night she was flat starting against Vesmina. And so mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, if you're getting down, you know, consistently to start matches, it makes them it, tougher situations to come back. Um, and the only way you get it back, you know, her game, she's not going to, you know, just go through everybody. But she has an unbelievable level of fighting, competing, uh, of counterpunching, and, and doing some fabulous things out there. And all those things for her to play at her level, has, she has to tick all the boxes to make that happen. Yeah, Brad, and I think that she- I think that she has all those come naturally to her, and I don't think she has to work on that as much as just to do what Wozniacki's trying to do now, and that's playing, you know, again, taking a few more risks and being a little more aggressive. And those two, I mean, I see their games, you know, in similar as far as their unbelievable defense and counterpunchers, and it goes against their nature to, to really wind up and to attack right from the start but they've got to learn to do that a little bit more. That's Great. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right, Richard Osborne at tnpbarrafile.com, and then I've got a question from somebody who couldn't make it. Hey, guys. I thought I'd throw one out to Chris and Brad. Nice. Um, Brad, uh, I wanted to ask you about Dominic Tiem a guy, uh, you know, maybe not with a ton of personality, but really a gorgeous game, kind of flying – under the radar here, we'll be playing um, Malfeast tonight. And Chris uh, wanted to ask you about rivalries, which, of course, you know a thing or two about with Martina and just what really kind of makes that Rafa-Roger rivalry so special, sort of transcending the sport in a lot of ways. Um, I, I like home team a lot. I think uh, nobody hits the ball <laughs> bigger than he, than he does. I mean, his, his forehand is massive. And for a guy that's not that big, he can serve low 140s. I mean, he's got an impressive game. Um, I think the biggest thing for him is to figure out his schedule sometimes. He seems like a few of these majors, he's played a little too much coming in, and he he hasn't been as sharp in uh, in the second week. Um, And he said that he's not going to change his schedule from last year to this year. So that's something, you know, the big thing is learning how for these young guys is to be able to peak for the majors. 
obviously these great players know how to do it. And so that's the biggest thing is learning that for these young players. But game-wise, I, I think he is the most explosive offensive player. Um, but I do think the one part of his game that he can improve is his defense. He can go through you, but, you know, not everybody can always just go through you. So I'd like to see him add a little more def- willingness to play defense. It's great to be on offense, but you've got to be able to do a little better when you're on defense. Um, and he's got to learn the schedule a little better. As as far as uh, rivalries, um, the number one word that comes to my mind is contrast. And I think that Martina and I had it in every way, shape, and form. And I think Rafa and Roger have it also. When you look at their style of play, you couldn't have two more different players. You've got the flashy magician against the warrior, you know, the player that's going to grind it out. As far as personalities, they're very, they're very different. As far as, you know, where they came from and how they were brought up, very different. So it's such a contrast that they bring, they each bring their own set of fans to the plate, and that is that is just great for tennis. I mean, it it, it it's bigger. It, it's almost I don't know. It just expands the whole tennis horizon even more because they draw people that aren't even tennis fans. They draw people that are sports fans, um, or they just draw curious bystanders because you know they they're they're so special. Those two, but. Um, and also, they're, you know, I think they're both gentlemen and they're both great for the game and they're both great sports. And people like to see that. And people like to see either of them win. I mean, there's not a bad guy versus a good guy. It's, they're both good, great guys, but their style of play and their personalities just are so interesting because they play into one another. So, um, and, and also the, the, the fact that there's always that, Who's going to win? Because nobody, they don't dominate each other. I mean, one of them doesn't dominate the other one. It's always like a interesting sort of question mark, you know, who's going to bring their A game to this match and who's going to win this match. So it's, it's all about it's all about the contrast. But go ahead, I'll, Brad. I'll say there to me, Christine. They're everything yeah. that's right in sports. I mean, they're just two incredible competitors. Classy guys, don't make yeah. excuses, um, and yeah. they have two of the most loyal fan bases I've ever seen globally. Um, and, and their styles make you want to watch them play. I mean, one guy plays like a maestro, and the other guy you feel his heart and passion. So I, I just think that it's must see TV, and people that aren't even really tennis fans want to see it. And I think the, the great thing about when they play, you'll see so many athletes from other sports. Jeez, I, I got to see Rafa courtside. I got to see Roger courtside. And, and the feeling that people have when they have seen those guys play for the first time courtside, um, it's just absolutely a treat. And like I said, these two guys conduct themselves with the utmost class that all tennis players should aspire to. Yeah, it's good. Well put. Thanks, All right. Well, we'll see uh, if we have a quick follow-up from anybody at the top of the list. But first, for our friend uh, Ravi Uba of CNN.com, who will see this on the transcript, and uh, Brad, uh, 
maybe you want to at least bat lead off on this one, someone you know well. How alarmed should Andy Murray's fans be about his start to 2017? Or is it not surprising, given how much he played last year? Um, you, you know, everybody asks those questions anytime that you, all of a sudden you come down a little bit. And I, I, I can't answer the question for him. The results answer the question. And I, I think that he had an amazing run. And I, I, I'm not going to say that he overplayed or underplayed. It just... He's lost a couple of matches that to, to Pospisil and then to Zverev at the Aussie. You just never expect him to lose. But also that, that reminds you the great thing about tennis and sports. That's why you lace up the sneakers. Every once in a while, the underdog can, can come up with this in, incredible win, and it, it gives everybody hope. Um, it's still early in the year, um, and I felt like last year he played his best tennis by far on the clay court season, and I think that set everything up for him. So I do think that the clay court season, once again, will be a really important time for him to really set the time frame. So if all of a sudden if things don't go well during the clay court season, well, then maybe we'll reconvene. And, and But I'm not ready to all of a sudden say that, okay, he's not going to you know win a major this year and he's going to really drop off. But I, I need to see the clay season and I'm not worried, but a couple of results that definitely have, have surprised you. I, I don't think the fans should worry. I wouldn't lose any sleep over it, Murray fans. Um, it, 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 like, you know, it, it's all part of the game. You, you just can't keep up a certain level for forever, and very much like Djokovic has gone through. We saw Nadal go through it also. Uh and I think Andy, it's not only last year, but look at how much he played last year with the Olympics. But look at the year before he played a lot. And I think he has to work so hard, like Nadal, he has to work so hard. He doesn't get very many free points. So he's putting in extra work in his matches. Uh, I, it doesn't surprise me that maybe he's a little weary at this point. It doesn't surprise me at all. Any of us who have been through that, that grind, and who have been number one and who have played a lot understand that there are going to be times when you're weary, times when you have letdowns, and um, it's the mark of a champion that you can get it back. So it's a, it's a, it'll be a nice challenge for him. All right. Um, it has been about just about an hour, so uh, we'll pull up there. Everybody's had a chance. Let these guys get on with their day. Again, uh, watch ESPN with matches all day long, including 8 o'clock, Federer and Nadal, and the TV starts tomorrow. Everybody, have a good day, and thanks for your interest. Thank you.